The information presented in this podcast is of a general nature and is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only. It should never be used as a substitute for mental care, medical care, prevention, diagnosis, counseling, treatment, or other services. Always consult a mental health professional before engaging in any activities discussed in this podcast. Thank you for listening. Have you ever wished for magical powers? Do you still await your Hogwarts acceptance letter? Well, welcome to Hogwarts. You are magical. And this is your invitation to join us in exploring the psychology behind the most magical series, Harry Potter. Welcome to Harry Potter Therapy. Hello, all you magical people out there, and thank you so much for tuning in to Harry Potter Therapy. I am your host, Dustin McGinnis. I am a musician, filmmaker, and all-around fanboy. And I'm Dr. Janina Scarlett. I'm a clinical psychologist, author, and a full-time witch. So today we're going to discuss Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets, Chapter 5, The Whomping Willow. For some reason, I'm like picturing Bruce Lee and Kung Fu. Because that's what the Wampum Willow does, man. It kicks some butt. So this chapter starts out with the Weasleys getting ready to go to Platform 9 and 3 quarters. It's the beginning of the school season. Tensions escalated as George, Fred, and Ginny all left something behind and delayed the family so they can go back and get whatever they forgot. So what I wanted to ask was, can you speak on the idea of tardiness and its relationship to stress and anxiety? Absolutely. I think for a lot of people, running late or being late is one of the most common reasons for their extreme stress. A lot of times we think we don't have enough time to get somewhere or we overbook our schedule or don't leave enough time for ourselves to get somewhere in time. 10.58. Come on, come on. Train will be leaving any moment. Fred, George, Percy, you first. When that happens, not only are we more stressed, we're more likely to be more irritable, less compassionate toward one another, and more likely to act in a way that's different from our core values. For example, it's not uncommon to see people cursing out other mm -hmm. car drivers when they're running late. I'm or, guilty of that, by the way. <laughs> or swerving in traffic, or maybe sometimes engaging in even unsafe practices, right, in terms of the way that they're maybe not looking where they're going, whether they're driving or walking. There was actually a study done a little while ago where seminary students were asked to give a sermon, basically give a talk about the Good Samaritan to talk about essentially helping others and the importance mm -hmm. of helping others. And they were also told that the talk would take place within just a couple of minutes and they were already late on the other side of the campus. And as these students were running across campus to give this talk, they would be somebody who was injured, who would be asking them for help. And most of them ran past this individual and uh, to, to and run And normally they talk. would be compassionate and they would stop, right? Absolutely. And normally these individuals were very compassionate who would be the very symbol of a Good Samaritan. And ironically, they were giving a talk on the Good Samaritan for this research study. And so the reason why this research study was done was to demonstrate how when we are tardy, when we're running late, 
we're likely to act in ways that are inconsistent with who we are. We're likely to be short, irritable, and not as compassionate as we otherwise would be. In the example of the Weasleys and Harry Potter here, we're also more likely to make mistakes, right? We know that when we are running short on time, we're less mindful. And when we're less mindful, we're more likely to forget something. We're more likely to make errors, which is likely to cause more stress and irritability. Exactly. I could totally see that happening, getting frustrated when you're not able to leave on time. And that's exactly what happens when they reach King's Cross Station. Harry and Ron can't get through the barrier between platforms 9 and 10, and they can't get to the Hogwarts Express. Without a way to get in, they miss the train and they end up having to hijack the invisible car so that they can try and make it to Hogwarts in time. Why can't we get through? I don't know. The gateway sealed itself for some reason. The train leaves at exactly 11 o'clock. We've missed it. Harry, if we can't get through, maybe Mum and Dad can't get back. Maybe we should just go and wait by the car. The car? Ron, I should tell you, most muggles aren't accustomed to seeing a flying car. Uh, right. They're pretty tenacious about getting to school, don't you think? I think that because they panic and because they are rushing, they end up making a series of mistakes. Had they just stayed and waited for their parents by their car, their parents would have helped them to get to school. Most definitely. I, I thought about that, too, when I was reading it or when I saw the movie. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> guys just can't wait. And it's like, what are they going to do? What You know, what are they going to do when they get out? Well, the parents can operate back home. That is truth. However, I think that the reason why the parents took the car in the first place is to be able to bring their kids there so that they didn't have to operate with them and bring all their luggage. But chances are their parents would have returned to the car and Arthur and Molly would have returned to the car to take the car back home. So had Harry and Ron just waited, they would have been just fine. Either Arthur would have driven them or they would have used maybe the flu system, although they can't use the flu system to arrive to Hogwarts, but they maybe could have gotten closer. They could have written to Dumbledore. Something could have happened and there could have been a much better option mm -hmm. than the one that happened. So once again, I think sometimes when we are making a haste judgment we are more likely to make an error. A lot of times when people feel anxious, the adrenaline that they experience sometimes makes them think that they need to act really quickly. However, in the moments of high stress and anxiety, we actually need to do the opposite. It helps if we take a moment, take a breath, evaluate our options, and actually wait a few minutes before reacting because we're more likely to make a more sound decision when we're calm than when we are highly stressed. For example, individuals who are exercising, for example, with a heart rate of let's say 150 beats per minute or higher, have a harder time solving certain, let's say math problems or science problems than when they're not exercising. And that is because when our adrenaline is really high, our primary focus becomes survival. Mm -hmm. We're less likely to make logic decisions, but more of an action reaction, which 
in that situation was not the best option. I think in general, whether you're a witch or a wizard or a muggle, um, <laughs> if you're in a situation that comes with a lot of stress, the best way to handle it is actually to take a moment before making a decision of what to do next. Most definitely. As you were mentioning, there are other options. And if you just take a moment, you could possibly come up with something a little bit more suitable. And it's very interesting that we we're talking about this because later on in the chapter, Professor McGonagall brings up a good point herself. When she was reprimanding them for their actions, she asked them why they didn't just send a message to the school or an owl. It's just interesting that in the midst of panic, the simplest solutions are, you know, just overlooked and disregarded. So speaking of consequences, they eventually make it to Hogwarts, but the car breaks down in midair. They fall from the sky and they crash into the Whomping Willow. The Whomping Willow is this ancient tree that seriously takes no crap from anything. It bashes its limbs at the boys and beats them around and it thrashes the car and basically it tries to kill them. dangerous thing to be allowed around children don't you think well i would imagine that it's probably there for exactly the kind of reason that causes the boys to instigate it it's there to prevent intruders from entering hogwarts mm. and if you think about it that's a really good caution right to prevent unwanted visitors from being around children. Nobody can apparate to Hogwarts grounds. Nobody can use flu powder to get to Hogwarts. Nobody can fly into Hogwarts because of the tree, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe there are other landing spots, I don't know. I mean, they crashed into the tree. It didn't just like jump up and grab them but or anything. Presumably, there are other protections in place. If not the Whomping Willow, there are probably other protections in place against somebody trying to land in Hogwarts when they're, let's say, flying their broom, for example. Mm -hmm. And so it sounds like these are the precautions that Dumbledore instituted probably long ago, maybe even during the first war to make sure that no unwanted visitors came to be around children, right? So the only way to arrive to Hogwarts is, you know, either by train or by arriving at the gates and then to be permitted in. It seems like it's a really good safety precaution. So I actually think it makes perfect sense why that tree is there. Would you think that this is the value that Snape was talking about? In the chapter, he mentions that the Whomping Willow is very valuable, and I assume this is why. Well, that could be a part of it. As we find out in the next book, the tree also functions for another reason, to keep someone in. 
like to keep certain monsters in or at the very least werewolves when they're in their werewolf state and so i imagine that snape probably has huge admiration for the whomping willow because of the reason why it was designed in the first place yeah well speaking of snape he is super upset with the boys because they were seen by muggles as they flew away in the car from king's cross station you were seen by no less than seven muggles do you have any idea how serious this is you have risked the exposure of our world not to mention the damage you inflicted on a whomping willow that's been on these grounds since before you were born. Honestly, Professor Snape, I think it did more damage to us. Silence! I assure you that were you in Slytherin and your fate rested with me, the both of you would be on the train home tonight. As it is. They are not. Professor Dumbledore. Professor McGonagall. Headmaster, these boys have flouted the decree for the restriction of underage wizardry. As such. I am well aware of our bylaws, Severus, having written quite a few of them myself. However, as head of Gryffindor House, it is for Professor McGonagall to determine the appropriate action. We'll go and get our stuff then. What are you talking about, Mr. Weasley? You're going to expel us, aren't you? Not today, Mr. Weasley. But I must impress on both of you the seriousness of what you have done. I will be writing to your families tonight, and you will both receive detention. During Snape's interrogation, Rowling actually wrote, this wasn't the first time that Snape had given Harry the impression of being able to read minds. Besides another brilliant use of foreshadowing, what do you think about this quote? We do know that certain witches and wizards are able to understand somebody's mental state or access their thoughts or memories. I don't necessarily think that's what Snape was doing here, but I do think that Snape is such a good reader of people's nonverbal expressions and just understanding the human psyche because of who he is. Being a double agent, I think he had to, in order to save his life and the life of many others, he had to be very good at understanding what people say and what people don't say and how they think and feel and act and react. And so I think that he is using all of his training here in trying to understand where Harry's coming from. But I think really, unfortunately, also giving into his bias a bit in terms of believing the worst of intentions about the boys. Do you think that he was using legitimacy here? I do not. Okay, I was just checking. So after the boys get reprimanded by Dumbledore and Snape and Professor McGonagall, they reach the Gryffindor common room, and there is a large group of students just waiting up for them. The crowd sees them, and they just erupt with all this cheers and celebration. Lee Jordan even tells them how cool he thinks they are because they flew into Hogwarts in a flying car and crashed it into the Whomping Willow. The way I see it is that naughtiness is being encouraged here. They're kind of school rebels at this point, and people admire them. Why do you think rebellion is looked up to? I don't think it's that it's rebellion itself that's being looked up to. I think that a lot of times when people have to follow the rules very stringently, they might 
wish to be able to step outside of the lines a little bit. You know, I think it's why we're sometimes really curious about, let's say, fictional villain characters, for example, right? We might almost like vicariously live out the naughtiness there. And so I think for a lot of the Gryffindors that cheered for Ron and Harry, I think it was this vicarious curiosity about doing something exciting and maybe kind of dangerous. So I think it's not the rebellion itself. I think it's more just the ability of stepping outside of the norm that they were curious about. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it would be cool to see it. <laughs> you know, if I was a student, I'd be like, that was the coolest thing I ever saw. I mean, I could see why they're a little excited about it as well. Well, this is a perfect opportunity for us to go ahead and end this episode of Harry Potter Therapy. Again, my name is Dustin McGinnis. You can find me on Twitter at The Valiant Geek. And I'm Dr. Janina Scarlett. You can find me on Twitter at Shadow Quill or Dr. Janina Scarlett Official on Instagram. How would you like the chance to win a free signed galley copy of Dr. Scarlett's new book, Dark Agents? If so, we'd really love to hear from you. All you have to do to enter is rate, review, and comment about our podcast through whatever provider services that you use. We will choose one listener randomly. Please make sure to keep listening, and good luck, everybody. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Have a magical day.